Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. And today I'm joined by someone very, very interesting. You will have definitely seen her on TikTok, on Instagram. I'm joined today by Amy Milley, a CBT practitioner and just an all-round guru when it comes to mindset and and mental health, really. Um, The TikTok videos that I've seen and the Instagram videos that I've seen have just been really really cool so I'm, I'm i'm really looking forward to picking your brain today amy and uh, thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having pleasure to be here yeah um so i found you probably 12 months ago now i would say yeah oh about tiktok yeah tiktok and um the the videos uh, for anyone that hasn't seen her videos Amy has this incredible catchphrase that she starts most of her, if not all of her videos with. And it goes, I mean, I'm going to do it no justice because I don't have the voice for it, but it goes, hi, baby. And then it insert really important information. And I just really loved the premise of that. So what I want to ask you really is TikTok at that time was a place where people were dancing around they were doing funny videos it wasn't really a platform for informative information so how did you get into tiktok and then all of a sudden where did you spot this this hole that you just filled it's an interesting question because you're right at the time tiktok was all about like lip syncing and dances and everyone joking and and dancing around um and then i came across this one girl i can't remember her name now and she was speaking very openly about her mental health and how the algorithm works. Once you watch one video like it, you know, it will start sending you more videos that is related to what you like. So it will start sending me more videos about people and relating to mental health and their struggles. And I saw people being really open and authentic about what was going on for them. Um, you know, social media a lot of the time is used as a form of escapism, right? We'll get on, we'll get on TikTok, we'll scroll, like forget about my problems for a while. Um, but I found it really soothing to watch people just being really open, real and authentic because you don't find that on Instagram. Well, I didn't find that on Instagram. And so I was like, this is, this is actually kind of amazing. I was struggling a lot with my mental health at the time. And so eventually I built up the courage to speak about what was going on for me. Um, And I'm not really sure how, I I mean, I started off by making a few jokes about it, you know, that which is how I dealt with it at the time. Just like, let's joke about my mental health, um, which wasn't funny. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, gaining a following allowed me to be more authentic. It made me feel actually safe to be myself, Mm. gaining that support from amazing, like strangers across the world. It was, it was, it was heartwarming and it's been such an amazing experience from then. Mm. I think um, I almost, so it was lockdown for me. It was right in the middle of lockdown. And I'll be honest, like I'd, I'd kind of being an online coach, social media is a massive part of my work. And I was so hesitant to get involved with TikTok for the, for, I just, I have such a love-hate relationship with social media for the reasons 
that you know you've said like instagram it can be an incredible place it can be an empowering place but it also can be a terrible place depending on how you use it uh what your mindset is um if you forget it's a highlight reel those sorts of things and um i remember downloading it and i just spent hours like genuinely because it was lockdown we were doing nothing um and i remember i was scrolling for about an hour and i didn't even realize and i literally had been like i, I was like i'm gonna have to delete this app yeah, like i'm gonna have to <laughs> yeah um and it was the only genuinely the only reason why i didn't delete the app was because i started to come across more informative content and, and one of them being yourself and then as you said the algorithm started to change what i was seeing on my for you page so it went from kind of i mean this with the best possible respect to anybody that's put videos out there it went of of little value to me um it didn't bring anything to my daily like learning or it, it just was just an escape like you say um to a place where it was informative it was interesting it got me excited about the possibility of learning and and you know just picking people's brains and seeing that over that time frame the reason why i started this podcast as well was because i started to notice that people were being more open about their mental health and were starting talking about issues and it wasn't just you know um people were like we need to do more about depression and anxiety it was people were talking about real real stuff um on their social medias and i think it's amazing that people such as yourself um as a practitioner and as someone that is involved in education of mental health is also open and honest about their own struggles because i think we all have this kind of I don't know whether it's the ego within us that thinks, you know, it, it's just us, you know, it's just me. No one else is, is going through the same shit as me, or, you know, I've got it worse. Or, or I don't know what it is, but when you look through the lens of either social media or other people, everyone seems to have their stuff together. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And, you know, I was just saying to a client this morning, a lot of the time we create our own suffering and this is why social media can be destructive mm -hmm. because we're scrolling we completely it's so easy to forget that it is a highlight reel mm -hmm. i see everyone else everyone else has has it all together they know what they're doing they know exactly how to navigate their lives and and everything's perfect for them it must only be me and because mental health you know the depression anxiety these were all taboo topics not long ago mm -hmm. and now speaking about it I thought listen if I if I speak about it and it encourages one person to just reach out for help or or say to someone you know I'm, I'm not doing so well mm -hmm. then I've done my job yeah yeah and I think I think it it has done that I think like I said, over the last six months, even 12 months since the pandemic, I think there's been a more, much more open discussion about it. Um, and I don't know whether that's just because of the timing. You know, we were all forced into an environment that was very, very peculiar. We were essentially on house arrest. The whole planet was. Um, what can you do when you're when you, yeah. you, you have all you have to think about are your thoughts and yourself? Mm, yeah. 
So talk to me a little bit about CBT. What, what is it? How does it help? CBT, so in brief, in short, CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, looks at the link between your cognitions, so your, the way that you think and your whole mental processing system. Mm-hmm. The link between that, uh, your emotions and your behaviours. And, you know, sometimes we can get so caught up in our thought process uh, that, that we have, everything sort of becomes a blur. And then we find ourselves doing things and we're like, why am I, why am I reacting in that way? Why did I just get really angry at that? Or like, why do I feel sad all of a sudden um, when that just happened? And we actually confuse ourselves and we, we start sort of, asking ourselves these questions like who who even am I? I don't I don't know why I'm responding in this way. So what CBT does is it just separates all of these all of these aspects of yourself out. Um, and you know it's it's for me, I've been in therapy myself for like 13 years. And for me, CBT is the most challenging for sure type of therapy. It's very um, real and it's very raw and it gets to the root of of your suffering really and that's sort of when you realize that oh maybe it is me that has caused my suffering but as well that's an empowering thing to realize that okay if if I've caused my own suffering to some extent sometimes then and I've learned these behaviors as a you know protective shield then I can unlearn those things and learn something else that is more helpful for mm-hmm. me going forward. Um, so it's it's a quite a confronting type of therapy. It's absolutely not not easy, and at times it's not really pleasant. And I will never I'll never say to people, you know, yeah, it's just easy breezy. Um, no, it's quite challenging. But at the same time, it's very healing. Mm. Um, once you learn to just come face to face with with yourself that shadow self of yours Mm. yeah I mean I've um, I've been in therapy a different style um, internal family systems therapy for two years now yeah and uh, I think the biggest thing the the funniest well not really funny but in hindsight it is funny for myself is I thought I was so self-aware until I started therapy, (laughs) you know, because self-development and learning and um, everything had been such, such a big part of my life. Like uh, I cope with stuff in my life through learning, through problem solving um, and not really necessarily feeling the emotion or even, um, I, I guess I feel the emotion, but it was more a sense of, well, if I can't do anything about it, what, what's the point? You know, so I never really had that moment where I was like, OK, I'm going to sit with this. I'm going to feel this and accept this. Um, so like the logical side of my brain was just really, really overpowered and overdeveloped. But the emotional side of my brain was 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 good when it came to what I would. Um, I'll be careful with my, my language or terminology here. I'll air quote it for people listening the good emotions uh, or what I deemed to be good previously to starting my own therapy journey was um, they were fine like 
I was happy to feel those. Like I, I pursued those with the utmost veracity and um, any of those bad emotions, nah, they, they just were just pushed aside. That was it. So I just, if I felt anything bad, if I was stressed, if I was anxious, if I was sad or upset, I was like, okay, well, let's distract. Let's just, I went every kind of meander around to get back to those good emotions, air quotes again for anyone listening. Um, so I think it's really cool. Uh, and, I, and I love the fact that there's actually lots of different styles of therapy. Um, and I also find it fascinating how, as we've got further into civilization and into the more developed world and with technology and stuff, we've kind of lost the very beginnings of what we almost innately knew as a civilization, as, as, as human beings. Because if you look at like the Buddhist culture or Hindu or any really ancient religion, they'll talk about things like meditation, being present. And, and it's, I just, it fascinates me that we knew so much about our deep, deep selves, our shadow selves back then. And we've completely stepped away from that. Yep. Yep. And you know, you mentioned something about the ego earlier. And mm -hmm. I think, I think this is what it, it is, to be honest. It's a, like <clears throat> a power struggle, um, an ego struggle mm -hmm. in this world. We are all really playing a role in order to succeed, succeed in, in air quotes, um, in life. So we've created these identities for ourselves. And the way that we know we've created these identities is because we are different people. I think every single person in this world, pretty much, is a different person with different people. For example, when you're with you know, a kid, you'll be a different person. You'll, you'll play a role. You'll, you know, you'll be like, okay, I need to be like this parental figure to this kid. So I'll speak in a different tone of voice. Um, you'll speak differently to the CEO of a bank than you would to a parent or a sibling, for example. And then when, you're, when you come home, you close the door mm -hmm. and you're on your own. That is, that is who you are. Mm -hmm. And this is what, this is what I'm, I'm saying. We, we create our own suffering because what, what are we doing? Why are, we, why are we exhausting ourselves so much to try and be something other than we are? When did we learn that we weren't good enough as we are? We had to be more. And when did we just start accepting other people's opinions of us as absolute truth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's fascinating. Out of curiosity, um, when do you think, or what do you think the reasons are that kind of society has moved in that general direction as opposed to being okay with ourselves and being able to provide the love that we need to ourselves? You know, I think social media has, has a big role to play mm. in it. Um, I think as well, we all, have, we all have role models. We all have people that we look up to. Mm -hmm inspire us and, and it can sometimes be that 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 is like a seed that makes us think 
maybe I'm, maybe I'm not good enough because I'm not like this person. Maybe I should be more like this person. You then start comparing yourselves to other people, even at school, you know, we, and we don't learn this at school. You're taught at school, essentially how to be a good employee in the world. Yeah. You're, you're not really taught how to be an effective human being in the world. Mm-hmm. So you're not taught how to not compare yourself to other people, why it's important to be authentic, mm. why it's important to speak your truth. Um, and then, you know, there are like social things that are socially acceptable and things that aren't socially acceptable. And what are the, who is creating these rules? Mm-hmm. Someone, it, it's only a person that is creating those rules. It's only a, another human being. We are all just, just human beings. And, you know, it can be so freeing to learn that actually you don't need, don't need to be this other person that is exhausting, ultimately. Yeah. And there's, there's also massive generational differences. Oh, yeah. You know, like I, I can talk to my parents or you know, grandparents and obviously their views, opinions on life are very, very different. Like I, I almost felt trapped to it actually, um, as I'm sure a lot of people still do and will continue to do is when we're at school, we're taught, okay, go to college, go to uni, get a good job, buy a house, get a mortgage, you know, get married. And and none of those things are, are wrong necessarily if that's what you want, but also if you don't fit within that framework, there's an issue there. Um, and it was, it was funny actually, because at the time when I was 18, I was about to go off to uni. Um, I, I, I've always been quite good academically, but when I got to A-level, I just stopped. I just didn't do anything. I stopped revising. I stopped putting effort in. And at the time, I, I didn't logically understand why. I was just like, I just don't, like subconsciously, I just didn't want it at all. Um so I, I guess I was just sabotaging at that time without realizing. And at the same time, I also was escaping to my Xbox. You know, that's all I used to do back then. I was, I was bored. I was definitely addicted. I was going to say borderline addicted, but I was definitely addicted to playing my Xbox for hours and hours a day. And um, straight away after that, like I remember my whole family were like, well, what are you going to do now? You, you know, you need to get a job. You need to, get out into the world and get yourself a trade Dan you know go go be a plumber or a, a laborer or something you would be set for life and I just remember thinking then I was like that that's also not what I want like I, I, I don't know what I want but I don't I don't necessarily want that exactly um so I think it's I think it's very very different when and I think a lot of these expectations and rules I think social media has made a massive impact and, and, and propelled a lot of those ideas and ideologies forward into our view a lot more. But I also think we've got such a generational difference and we're still kind of living with the expectations of the previous generation, but our society is moving so much quicker now and there's a lot more possibilities because with as bad as social media can be, it also can be incredible. Like this podcast, for example, I set it up a year ago. There's 18 different countries listening to this at the moment. That's amazing. I, I know, literally. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I just think that 
I don't want to be one of those guys that just says like you can do anything because I know that's not true but there's so much more possibility now than there ever has been with social media with the internet with how connectable and accessible everyone is and we can use it for whatever we choose to yeah yeah we can use you know there's there are two sides to to social media there is obviously the side that is is quite toxic mm-hmm. and then there is also the side that actually can help you step into your own power mm-hmm. i every every week i will go through my instagram or tiktok and unfollow people who who are for whatever reason either like irritating me mm-hmm. or um i'm just not getting anything from their content mm-hmm. otherwise it's so easy to follow any rabbit hole and none of us need it none of us need to be doing that if you're going to spend time on social media make it productive if you're going to spend time scrolling on your phone make it productive mm-hmm. um you know let it propel you forward into action into stepping into your your mm-hmm. own power and stepping out of any unhelpful beliefs that you might have about about yourself or any rules that you have about yourself Mm-hmm. you're scrolling thinking oh you know I'm not good enough and by scrolling you're looking at all of these people's perfect lives seemingly perfect lives that's only going to reinforce the belief that you're not good enough which isn't true so you said something really interesting earlier and I want to come back to it about not thinking we're enough for ourselves and I completely agree um, when I one of my first therapy sessions my therapist asked me what do you do to one relax and what do you do for self-love? And I just genuinely looked at a so blank face and I was like, um, (laughs) so yeah. What, what can people do? Let's, let's talk about details. Okay. In terms of Mm self-love, I'm not sure I'm actually even a big fan of the word self-love because self-love can sometimes turn into Mm self-obsession. I think a lot of the time, like especially Insta therapy can um, encourage a bit of self-obsession. But Mm -hmm. self-love, I think, is really just about noticing your self-talk, noticing the way that you speak to yourself. If every time you make a mistake, how are you responding to yourself? Are you responding to yourself as if you were a loving parent, as if you were your best friend? Or are you responding to yourself like someone you absolutely hate? And if you are, if you're saying to yourself, oh my God, you're such an idiot. Why did you, why did you do that? I was so guilty of this beforehand. You're such an idiot, so stupid. How is that going to play a role in my life that's going to shape so many beliefs that I have about myself what about if I just treat myself with a bit more compassion Mm -hmm. what about if I'm just I don't and it's not about looking at myself in the mirror in every day and being like you are amazing you're lovable you're good enough you're worthy Mm -hmm. not necessarily about that learning that you are worthy is about the small steps that you take towards becoming someone who believes that they are worthy and good enough and not and not a failure or not anything that they believed 
that they were in the past. And that is sometimes a process of kind of reparenting mm-hmm. yourself and um, building your own, your own strength within yourself without having these protective walls up and having, having your guard up all mm. the time. It's learning to become less um, defensive and more, more responsive, more attentive to, to everything and, and about presence as well. Mm. Yeah, it's something that I've, I've very definitely struggled with myself as well. I, yeah, if I spoke to my friends the way I speak to myself, I would have none. <laughs> and um, it's, it is difficult, you know. I, I, you do have to check yourself. And it's something that's really helped me with that is meditation. Because otherwise, I just, I don't know what it is. I think because I've, I, I've always been very passionate about work and I'm very competitive unhealthily so mm-hmm. um not with others necessarily but more for myself yeah. like I want to make sure that I'm doing better than I was before or I'm doing more or I'm achieving more so my brain constantly is like churning away and um it's funny really because I'll constantly I really have to focus on what I'm saying or listening into a conversation, which I've, I've had to develop and I've learned through therapy. Um, otherwise my brain is firing off on tangents, left, right, and center about ideas. And, and I want to, I want to hold on to each and every one of them because I don't want to lose that because that could be gold. It could help me. It could get me to that next level. And it's something that meditation and just being present is such a skill set that I've had to try and learn because otherwise I have to be okay now with any of those tangents, just letting them go and trusting that if it's important, it will come back and I will remember it and it will go. So what I wanted to ask you is I know that I've seen some of your content about breath work, meditation. What's your views on meditation and how could people implement that into their life? Oh, meditation is honestly been a lifesaver for me as well. Um, I do a lot of transcendental meditation, which is a bit more um, complex and, and it sounds a lot more confusing than it is. And it can sometimes put people off. Meditation is the reason it's so brilliant is because we don't realize that we spend either so much time in the past or so much time in the future, which is what creates feelings of fear if we're thinking about the past you know oh that happened in the past so I don't want to move forward onto something else because I don't want to repeat the past mm-hmm. and when we're thinking about the future we're, we're creating this sense of worry both of which are actually sometimes helpful if they propel us forward into action but if they're keeping us stuck they're super unhelpful and so what meditation does is it allows you to access the peace, the sense of peace that is already within you. Mm-hmm. In fact, with 99% of my clients, if not 100% of my clients, when I ask them what their goal is, they say, I just want peace. I just want to be peaceful. And we, we don't realize that it's quite simply there. It's within you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes 
all it takes is for you to access that subconscious part of your brain that is free from cognition, that is free from thought, that's free from judgment and critical thinking of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and just become very aware of what is going on. Let go of the attachment to outcome. Mm-hmm. Let go of our expectations of ourselves and just allow and accept what is. Mm-hmm. And, and rather than having these, these goals of, I, I've got to always be happy, I've got to strive towards something. Let's just, let's just accept what is. Like, how about we do that? And then, and then it's funny because when you say that to people, if you're like, okay, how about we just accept what is happening right now? Mm. Well, are you stressed right now in this moment? You're looking at me and then like, no, I'm no. And then I'm like, okay, now take, take a, a sort of bystander perspective. Imagine you're standing outside of your body and observing yourself and observing your thoughts. How are you feeling from this perspective, from this different perspective? And every time without fail, a client will say, I'm pretty peaceful. Mm. Um, And I'm now realizing that actually what I was worried about has no no weight. There's there's no need for me Mm -hmm. to, to worry. I have so much more clarity in this space Mm. and and that's what meditation is it's not about being free from your thoughts because that's not it's not possible but it's just about focusing on on your breath to allow space for fear and worry to come and go to just pass rather rather than meeting it with resistance and fighting it and trying to get rid of it just accepting it and it will pass Mm. Yeah, I love that. And um, when I have like, uh, I know you're not supposed to judge meditation as well, because that kind of defeats the whole point of it. But when you when I have a particularly busy week um, over the last couple of months, it's been incredible because when I have set aside time for meditation. My brain goes from overactive, firing off in every kind of direction on anything. It could be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be anxiety or anything of that ilk it could just be work 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 or I've got to go do that that whatever and um I get this like tingling sensation have you ever had a head massage mm-hmm. yeah you know that sort of when you're so deeply relaxed I get this tingling sensation uh, right at like the crown of my head and it's just the best feeling ever and I only feel that relaxed or that quiet internally when I either like meditate or do yoga, that's the only time. That's really interesting that you notice that, that sort of sensation in your body, because mm-hmm. again, with, with CBT, if we're looking at sort of the CBT model, I encourage everyone to look at, look at how your thoughts and your emotions are affecting your, your body your response how where are you feeling in your body and how are you feeling in your body so when you have that tingling feeling then what is that telling you like what is the message that is telling you Mm. well for me I take that as 
Dan, you need to be more relaxed. <laughs> you need to do this and be present more often. Yeah. So, what benefit does it have to you personally being present? Like, what does it give you access to? I love having a therapy session here. What yeah. does it give you access to, though? Absolutely everything. Like, I just feel so much more able to to work efficiently or just be present and notice things you know like I, I I love hiking I love going on walks with my dog and there's a very definite difference um between me being present and walking and me kind of walking not really taking in the sights thinking about deadlines work or you know stress or anxiety or anything um and one of the best things I ever did was I did a hike up a mountain and at the top of the mountain I did a meditation and I cannot tell you it was like a 20 minute I did a guided one and um I was I thought I was chilled and relaxed and enjoying the views and you know whatever um and then when I came round from that meditation afterwards it was without sounding too like hippie it was like a whole new environment you know, like the filter of stress and everything had just lifted. And I really started to appreciate the beauty of the, you know, the sun was setting as well at the same sort of time. Um, my dog, she was just lay around me, just cuddled into me. And I just was so much more grateful and, and noticing everything, you know, the people having a little conversation, having laughter. And um, it was beautiful. That's and, amazing, actually. And also so important because the quality of your thoughts has a direct impact on how you feel. And that is such a perfect example. Mm. Of that. that is such a perfect example. Like it's, it's I, I describe it as decluttering your mm. mind. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't realize the clutter that is going on in our mind. And once we make space mm. in our mind, we can just appreciate what is going on, you know, in front of us. And it's not always the case. Like it's not, because we don't want to fall into the territory of like toxic positivity and like everything's great all the time. And like, you always have to accept things. Like sometimes you're going to meet some things with resistance. Sometimes you are going to feel really stressed and like, you don't need to push that away and just accept things for, for what, for what they are. If you're feeling like, you know, if you're going through a time of serious distress. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'm, what I'm really talking about Think the point the point we're trying to make is when you are creating your own suffering and you know it and it's going on in your head mm -hmm. um that's the time to be like okay i need to just like get a bit real with myself become a bit more present and grounded in mm -hmm. what is going on am i creating my own suffering is there any like validity mm -hmm. to these upsetting and distressing thoughts that i'm having mm -hmm. um and it's not about it's not about just saying everything's fine when you're going through a time of distress. Mm. You mentioned something there that I want to unpack a little bit more as well. And it's something that personally I've suffered with is that toxic positivity. Um, there's such a huge space, a sector of social media that I think I, I think at the very heart of it, it means well but it misses that massive emotional side of thinking and, and acceptance that 
you know, do more, like, you know, be productive. And, you know, the motivational sort of space I'm talking about now is, I think, very toxically positive. And I think if you're looking at entrepreneurs or businessmen, I think that falls into that realm without necessarily meaning to. And I think people, because it's social media, only take that snippet of that. I mean, I definitely did anyway. So I'll I'll say it from my own experience. As I kind of got into more business and got into the social media realm, I very definitely thought, well, you know, these guys are working crazy hours and they're doing this and they're doing that. And they don't have time to be thinking negatively that was their quotes for anyone listening um they don't have time for that so i don't have time for that yeah yeah and they, and then they sort of miss out everything in between you're you are listening to like 20 minutes of their life or even like one minute of their life and you're like this is what it's like for them all the time i've got to got to got to always be positive the goal the goal is is happiness and I think that that is I think the intention for anyone mm-hmm. who um <laughs> ends up being quite toxic in their positivity they're like oh I just want you to be happy you know just be ha- just be happy why because it makes life easier for them because mm-hmm. they maybe don't have the capacity to deal with your difficult emotions which is fine Mm -hmm. and and if someone doesn't have the capacity it's then about communicating that Mm -hmm. rather than trying to fix someone's problems trying to solve it trying to jump in I mean family my family members love them bless them but some of them I really could turn around to them and say what like why do I have to be happy all the time I don't I don't understand or they're like oh don't you know don't don't be sad it's (laughs) why not yeah. Why is that problematic? Hmm. Um, I think- it, sorry, one more thing. Yeah, and it can. The reason why it's so detrimental is because it can actually lead someone to feeling a lot more alone and really unsupported mm-hmm. in those moments. And and that's the thing that people don't realize because likely someone being on the receiving end of toxic positivity is not going to say to someone in that moment, you know, that's actually made me feel so much worse yeah and I think that's such a huge thing it was a massive learning curve for me because I was so guilty of chasing positivity and happiness and all of the kind of positive emotions that I would have previously described as positive but I think the biggest learning curve for me was not that I necessarily shouldn't be doing that but it was just that all emotions are valid and they all bring something to the table. And I think the pursuit of any one of them, like if you, if we flip the chart and someone was said to me or you or anyone, I want to chase anger, you know, or I want to chase anxiety or jealousy or um, anything, any one emotion, most people would say, well, that doesn't really sound like something that you should be doing. But yet we have this kind of, as you say, like if it's familial or friends or it comes from a good place. But when someone says that, it just makes us all think, well, okay, so so we should be chasing happiness all the time. Mm -hmm. I like this word should because um, I will always encourage, I've encouraged myself to remove it from my vocabulary. 
mm -hmm. should, shouldn't. Um, well, well, who was, again, who was setting these rules? Why should we be doing any one thing? Or why shouldn't we be doing any one? We're all so completely different and individual and autonomous that why should we all be achieving and, and, and aiming for the same thing? And why does it have to be happiness? Because happiness makes everyone else, everyone else's life easier. But happiness, like at the expense of our own authenticity, so we're compromising our own sort of integrity um, and authenticity in order to just be happy. And then we end up shoving down all the other stuff, which eventually comes to a head. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I think, I think it's something, uh, how, do we, how do we change that? We change what? How do we change the the general kind of consensus that everybody starts to feel like they, well, I'll use that word that you don't like, feel like they should be pursuing happiness? Because in situations where people are struggling, I'll, I'll be honest, I've even found myself thinking, I, like I'm a problem solver, so I'm like, how do I make this person feel better or how do I help them to feel better? So what can we do as individuals if we're in, almost in a support or if we're in that situation to not feel like we have to do that? To not feel like we have to fix, fix something for mm -hmm. someone else. It's so hard because I think it's, it's in our nature. We want to solve problems. We want to fix things for people. We want to immediately jump in if it's someone we care about and make it better for mm -hmm. them. But, you know, the, the, the subconscious message we're giving to someone when we're doing that is if we just step in um, and jump in and try to fix it, we're, get, we're sending the message to them that something's not right. Something's not right here. Um, and it can be really destructive for someone who feels fundamentally like there is something wrong with them or, or they're, you know, in quotation marks, broken mm -hmm. in any way. And so when we're supporting someone, nine times out of 10, we must remember that people don't want advice. They just want someone to listen to them. They want someone who feels safe. They want someone who they can speak about their feelings with and know that that is going to be met with a complete like non-judgment and just a calming, presence because generally we have the answers we have the answers within ourselves we just need a space mm -hmm. to be able to figure that out for ourselves when we give advice we're giving advice based on what we would do in their situation because you can never fully put yourself in someone else's shoes even if you have all the empathy in the world you can't physically put yourself in someone else's life experience mm -hmm. so Sometimes even ask, you know, it's about very open communication and supporting someone and saying, what, instead of just giving unsolicited advice, would mm -hmm. you, would you like my opinion or would you like me to just listen? How can I best support you right now? What do you need from me? Mm -hmm. These are open questions that 
make someone feel cared about, supported and listened to. And generally, um, you know, asking people questions like, tell, tell me more, tell me more about your situation or what do you think you're gonna do? Or like, what are your options? So simple mm-hmm. and shows how much you care about someone. Mm. The person immediately thinks, okay, I know this person is listening. I know they care about me. I feel supported. Mm. And just being there with another person, not trying to do anything, is actually so much more beneficial than jumping in and being like, okay, here's, here's what I would do. Um, you, you should do this. You should try this, you know, have a cup of tea, go for a walk. That's not what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it feels so invalidating as well, doesn't it? It's yeah. like it's yes. like telling a depressed person to just go and, you know, have you tried not being depressed? Exactly. Yeah, obviously I have. Thank you. Oh, like, thank you. Didn't know about that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, and I completely agree. I went last week, I went to a group of men. Uh, the, the group was called the men, um, make ready men. And it was a circle outside in like the forest around a fire. And it started off with like a meditation. And then like all, it was all about um, like we did a group talk and presentation about uh, learning about healthy masculinity. And then um, there was another section where we all got to share wasn't necessarily about anything. It could have been about whatever you wanted. Um, But it was about a space where you could just share without judgment, without advice, and just sharing. And it was so incredible. Like the the ambiance, the experience was incredible because like you say, it's so easy for us to try and want to fix other people's problems or, you know, have you tried this? But just being able to share something just instantly makes you feel better. Not better, but it it does make the pressure of that certain situation feel a little bit alleviated when you know that people are listening, taking on board, and they care. It does, yeah. It completely and it does it does make it easy because it starts challenging. If if there is a belief there, you know, for example, oh, I've learned over time that that you know every time I share something someone's going to come back with advice that I have not asked for Mm -hmm. um if you've learned that over time then what that's going to do is eventually make you shut down and you will Mm -hmm. stop speaking to people so sometimes learn you know relearning things and learning new things okay now I have a space to share so am I still believing that it's not a safe that it's not safe to open up to people or am I learning that actually there are some people in the world who I can just share with mm-hmm. and who aren't going to come back at me with this advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, I saw the other day a great post that you did about journaling and I really want to pick your brain on journaling because it's something that I, I'll be honest, my first kind of thought um, when I heard about it a couple of years ago before I actually started therapy was you know it's a diary like it's an entry like I, I don't you know I'm, I'm not interested in that at all but it's been such a valuable tool for me so I'd love to hear your opinion on it and then how people can implement that into their lives. Journaling is 
one of my favorite activities because um, like you, my mind is extremely active, extremely active. And I, I really can't keep control of all of the thoughts that are going on in my head because it's working at a million miles a minute. What journaling does um, is it helps me get everything onto paper. And generally it will like veer off into a random direction and it will start and I'll start writing about things that you know like really deep rooted things and beliefs and then when I read this diary entry back or my journal back you can you can find the most key pieces of information they're like it's like it's like a hidden gem that you'll find in your journal and be like that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. That links to this and it links to this. And it's all about really connecting the dots when you separate your thoughts out, get it all down, get it off your chest is even just getting it off your chest is the most healing experience. Yeah, I love that. I actually was, um, I was cleaning out my room the other day and I came across some of my old journals from when I first started and it's fascinating to see the mindset shift, the things that I was focusing on and the way that I've journaled was, was different. Like it was very factual. It was very logical because obviously that's how my brain was functioning at the time, but now it's a lot more, there's a lot more balance. I'm still working on the emotional side of things too, but there's the, the, here's the logic and then this is how it makes me feel. And then kind of explore that a little bit in detail. Whereas when I first started, it was like, like little bullet points of this, 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 and this. And it just, it was really cool to kind of look back on it. So I think it's, it, I'm glad to hear that obviously you look back on them as well and reread them. And it is, it is very interesting. Yeah. And I, you know what? I love that as well. Talking about, how you used to be compared to how you you are now or how your entries are now because I always say the only person you ever need to compare yourself to is the person you were either like last year or last week mm -hmm. um, and look at how it can it can be so heartwarming to see how far you have come and how far you've developed as a person mm -hmm. as a human being so the one thing that I was, when I first started doing it, I was a little bit confused about how to journal. So okay. what can we, what can we give people so that they can take away today to kind of have like a, a template of this is kind of what we could be doing? Okay. Um, in terms of journaling, there are, there are two approaches you can take. There's what one, which is a very sort of ET approach. So it's a very like logical, straightforward approach. Um, and at the end of every day as sort of a reflection exercise, this might be the one you saw, like checking in with yourself yes. every day, asking yourself things like, how helpful has my thinking been today? So using prompts, say, how helpful has my thinking been today? Number one, how helpful has my behavior been today? Number two, how would I rate my mood on a scale of one to 10 today? And what might I like to do differently tomorrow? 
So what's an intention I can set for tomorrow or a goal, personal goal that I can set for myself tomorrow? Um, so you could take, that's one approach to take. And there's another approach um, and it's an exercise called the morning pages, which I learned a while ago. And first thing you do when you wake up in the morning, you have your pen and your notebook next to you. As soon as your alarm goes off, before you check your phone, before anything else, mm -hmm. as your eyes are opening, you grab the journal and the pen, turn on the light, set your timer on your phone for three minutes, and you just write for three minutes, as much as you can. And there is, there's, no, there's no method, there's no formula, you simply write. If you don't know what to write, you start by writing, I don't know what to write. And you keep writing, I don't know what to write until something comes out. And I guarantee by the end of the exercise, you will have come to some kind of discovery somewhere about something and emotions will absolutely come up for you. Remember when I first did it for a while, I, I used to get so angry when I was doing this exercise and I was like, where is all this anger coming from? And it's, it's a wonderful, soothing sort of release to let go of this, this anger, waking up with this anger and then immediately releasing it into the world um, so that you can clear space and, and make room for, for more helpful emotions and other things throughout the day. Mm. And it's a brilliant way to start your day. I love that. I know that I, I think I would also feel angry because I hate not being good at things. Yes. So I'd be like, I don't know what to write. And then I'd be like, come on, like start, start, start. And then I can see now for, with just, even with the way that I journal, um, I, I do the kind of, it's normally at the end of the day, if I'm honest, because it'll be what's happened through the day, like how that's affected me, that sort of stuff. Um, I love the idea of doing the three minutes. So I'm probably going to try that out and see. Oh yeah, please do. And let me know how it goes. Yeah. I'm going to, I think I'm going to, um, Amy, is there anything that we haven't discussed today that you would like to share? That's a good question. Um, I think we've, we've covered quite a variety of topics, yeah. solid variety of topics. I hope it will be useful for people listening. Mm -hmm. Oh, no doubt it will be. Um, I could speak to you all day. I'm very aware of the time. So um, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And it has been the most interesting conversation for me. I could talk about mental health, psychology and all that sort of stuff for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, so I'd love to have you back on. We can do a deep dive on something a bit more complex. Um, I would love to. Yeah. Well, thank you anyway. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Dan. Thank you.